0: Launch, ignition, blast off, blast off, lunch, 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 lunch Lunch is good. Think you're thinking of lunch? Uh, Doctor Don Ben, Doctor Ben, Doctor Doctor Don. Um, Hey, you know what? You know what's kind of fun?
1: What's kind of fun? Uh,
0: I talked about us yesterday and in this podcast in uh, in reporting some stuff to uh, the Norcore executive. You know the the powers that be. Uh, that are uh, Norcore people. And uh, I cited uh, some statistics from last year <laughs> where, where we had uh, about 450 downloads per episode. And now we're like at, I don't know, two to 3,000. And I was like – yeah, it's crazy, right? Um, and, and I, uh, said, do you know that it's just a couple of idiots talking about food safety? <laughs> and someone wants to listen to it. Dr. Idiots to you. Thank doc, you. <laughs> doc, yeah, a couple of Dr. Idiots. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, um, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of fun, uh, on the, on the podcast, on the podcast reporting front.
1: Well, and I have to say too, the other thing that is very, very gratifying is uh, that people are mentioning us on uh, social media, and they're uh, they're they're trying to drag us into fights with uh, Alton Brown and uh, getting you back into another fight with Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth, uh, I know, uh, and, and I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: it is it is kind of fun where we. Um, we uh, there, there are people that listen to us, the listeners as they're known, as they 're known uh, who are have created their own community they're I think they 're meeting each other on the social media and then they just bounce things back and forth. I like that why well, don 't should we do we go do we name the community do they name themselves? How did the jackals happen
1: i was, you know I was thinking about this um, I was thinking about this this morning actually as I was laying in bed and and, and it 's like well, what are they? food safety talkers are the what are they, no, what that's are us. they? right we're the well well right are the yeah so I, I don't know it's uh i i think it's a thing that we just need to uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't try to force it we should let yep. it evolve uh, organically
0: yeah and if they feel that they should name themselves name away exactly. exactly and if not i'm cool i'm totally cool with that too
1: hey you know one of the things that 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 shows our our tremendous power and reach is I really want to commend you on this, okay, so there was okay. an article on uh today dot com um that uh that that plugged the podcast and yeah. uh, and mentioned you so <laughs> yeah. i would I would love for you to tell the listeners all about how that happened ben <laughs> i i don't know well i kind of know
0: so 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 don uh this the this was uh, about a week ago. I was I was on my way to um, uh, I was on the way to D.C. to go watch a hockey game with my kids and uh, first game of the playoffs: Toronto Maple Leafs uh, versus Washington Capitals. And uh, you know, as I'm as I'm driving, uh, I see uh, an email message from uh, from Donald Schaffner. And uh, you have looped me into a conversation. Uh, The title of the subject line is today's show dash butter storage. It says, dear Tracy, thanks for your message. I'm also CCing my podcast colleague, Ben Chapman on this reply. He may have some additional comments. Keep that in mind, right? Keep that 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 in mind. mind. Yep. Uh, From my reading, the issues, blah, blah, blah. You say lots of good stuff about science, butter, leave it out. Don't worry about it. Low risk. Hope my comments are helpful. Please email me back if you have any further questions. Um, and then Tracy emails you back uh, later that day. Thanks so much, Don. Quick question. How do you and Ben like to be credited best? And then you say uh, you can credit me as a um, food microbiology professor at, at Rutgers University. Ben's a professor at NC State. Ben indicated in a text message he's currently driving to Washington, D.C., but he'll take a look at his email when he arrives. Um, <laughs> All all is true. All about that is true. Right. Uh, I took a look at my email. I did not have anything to to add. Uh, and then I get up the next morning uh, and uh, see on today.com that there is an article about do you really need to refrigerate your butter because people on Twitter are going crazy about it. And then there you go. Um, Don Schaffner um, uh, and, uh, uh, is – and I will uh, take this out of context, but it is referring to uh, someone named um, someone who, who uh, Joe Kivett, right? Co-author of the Food Safety book, What You Don't Know Can Kill You, it says he and co-author Dr. Mark Tamplin. As well as another set of food safety experts, Don Schaffner, food microbiology professor at Rutgers, and Ben Chapman, professor at NC State, who are co-hosts of uh, Food Safety Talk podcast, all assured us that leaving butter on the counter is safe as long
1: as you follow the rules below. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. So well done, Ben. Uh it's good 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 work. It's uh you know, it's that that's that's really it's like being it's like being a co author on a paper where you really don't feel like you pulled your weight. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And just reaping the benefits of the today show. Uh, yeah. I mean today today.com. I mean, phew, talk about uh you know, talking about it's reaching is. the pinnacle. It's the big it's the big time, Don. It's not tomorrow dot
0: com. It's not yesterday.com. That's ha- it's current. That's a that is a, it's a daily. It's exactly. a current daily. Exactly. uh yeah so thanks thanks so much to uh to tracy um uh, uh from uh today dot com because I would have not been quoted uh saying anything uh had not i been on an email string and i didn't say anything but my yeah. name got into it there,
1: there you go <laughs> so uh write it write it for all it's worth but uh, you know I, uh, I thought i thought the whole i thought the whole thing was interesting because here is uh today dot com deciding to cover a topic that quote and this is me quoting from the article blew up on Twitter this week, so i don 't I miss this blowing up on Twitter. I did not realize that butter was such a, a, an incredibly hot subject, but it is it is a good topic for discussion because this is one of those things where uh, you know one of those um, Uh, myths that we like to, to explode um, on, on the podcast where people believe a certain thing. And then if you investigate the science, it's not necessarily true. Right. And so conventional wisdom more conventional uh, public health inspector wisdom would dictate that, oh, well, it is a product made from milk and milk is a potentially hazardous food. Therefore, it must be refrigerated for safety. Um, and in fact, that's not true, right? It's probably made from uh, from pasteurized milk or pasteurized dairy products, which is one of the, 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 the caveats that they put in the story, right? If, it's ma- if it is made from pasteurized um, products, then uh, guess what? There, there's no, there's virtually no chance that there's pathogens there. And even if there were, it's butter, right? So it's salted. It's a. Uh, it is, a, I always forget this. It is a oil in water emulsion. Emulsion, right? yes. Now, but yes. I know it's an emulsion, but the question is what's the continuous, I think, the, no, it's the other way around. It's, the, it's, it's, a, a, water, it's a water oil emulsion, right? So, yes. the, emul, so the, the fat is the continuous phase of the emulsion, which means that any bacteria are there, are trapped in those water droplets, which uh, if it's salted butter are probably salty water droplets. It's not a very conducive environment for microbial growth. And so, uh, yeah, so, and if you, you know, so it's probably, uh, no, no food safety reason to keep your, uh, your butter in the refrigerator, but for quality, it's, it's probably a, a really good idea because if you leave it out, uh, the fat, which is the continuous phase, as I said, will oxidize and it will, uh, start to not taste, uh, not taste too good. So there you go. Uh,
0: absolutely. And, um, I just sort of randomly, maybe, maybe it wasn't random, uh, but, uh, I wrote about something on Barf Blog about butter oh. uh, a couple of weeks ago, after the last time we recorded. Um, that did not—I did not spark the Twitter debate. But as far as you was, know, I mean, as far as I know. But there was there was this really interesting, what I thought was an interesting um, class action lawsuit in uh, against some Dunkin' Donuts franchisees. Uh, and uh, these class action lawsuits stem from one individual, Jan uh, Pol- Polanik, who sued these 23 Dunkin' Donut locations in Massachusetts for serving him margarine or a butter substitute instead of butter with his bagels between June 2012 and June 2016. And so it cost an extra 25 cents uh, for, uh, butter on top of it. And he, he claims that he never received butter. He received
1: a butter substitute. Ooh. And they charged him for butter and they charged him for butter. You know, so the the take home from this is do not mess with Jan Polanik. Don't mess with Jan Polanik at all.
0: But, but the, I I think the most fun part is I was reading this, you know, it came across in, in the, uh, barf blog feeds and I was like, butter. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. This is interesting. um, and, uh, someone from, uh, Duncan, du- in 2013. Uh, A Dunkin' Donuts spokeswoman, Lindsay Harrington, offered an explanation why a vegetable spread might be used. Quote, for food safety reasons, we do not allow butter to be stored at room temperature, which is the temperature necessary for butter to be easily spread onto a bagel or pastry, she told the the Boston Globe. The recommended procedure in the store, she said, was for individual whipped butter packets to be served on the side of a bagel or pastry but not applied. The vegetable spread is generally used if the employee applies the topping. Um, and so so I, I was, you know, I, I harkened back to a conversation you and I had on our previous podcast. And I was like, you know, I don't think that there's a whole lot of um, like food safety reasons. And that's maybe not the best claim. Food quality, go for it. I'm with you. Uh, but from a food safety uh, standpoint, uh, no. And so, yeah, exactly. I mean, we arrived at, at this same uh, conversation. Uh, is uh, somewhat out of phase but in you know it 's not something i'd uh that 's come up in the last i don 't know year and a half or so but in in two weeks the butter debate uh showed up and and you you mentioned um uh, in your conversation with uh with tracy on, on email with the from today dot com and in our last conversation about a an outbreak that happened um in i think in finland, finland right right finland yeah, it, was,
1: exactly. it was in, in finnish hospitals in fact, so yes. it sort of harkens back to the, the, uh, uh, the, the, um, the, the ice cream, uh, the Texas ice cream, uh, Blue Bell ice cream outbreak in that these were people in the hospital. They were probably already immunocompromised, a little bit different than Blue Bell in that there probably wasn't what, we, what I believe to be a multiplication step when milkshake mixers were not clean. But there definitely was something that went wrong in these Finnish hospitals and people, immunocompromised people got sick from consuming butter uh, that, that did have listeria in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And the um, the the thing that I like about this Listeria outbreak is it really doesn't have a lot to do with sitting out at room temperature. Right. Like holding it because, you know, Listeria is going to grow slowly, but grow under refrigeration uh, temperatures, Um, you know, quality of butter in a refrigerator. I I mean, I've got it's it's got to be weeks right like if i'm holding my my butter at 41 degrees fahrenheit it's probably not going to go rancid for eight weeks maybe longer would be my guess i don't know i'm guessing yeah
1: we we buy we buy a lot of unsalted butter in fact uh because Kristen uses it for baking and then just because that's what we have around we don't put salted if we want if we want salty butter on something we put unsalted butter and then add salt right so nice yeah well just because that we just we only buy unsalted butter because that's what you need for baking so um uh and yeah and we Buy it a lot of it, and uh, we don't necessarily use it very, very rapidly. And I have never—I uh, don't believe I've ever experienced any uh, eating any butter out of our fridge that that's rancid. and we, and we keep our fridge nice and cold, you know, definitely forty-one. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think it's an it's an un, uh, unlikely problem to to occur. Even, even if I, again, I don't have the data in front of me. I'm sure somebody has studied. Some of there's there's time temperature kinetics out there for uh, rancidity and butter, but but it's it takes a long time. It, right, that's right. My, uh, that's my expert uh, expert guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, mine mine too. So it's like if there was listeria in there, it, it's probably going to outpace the 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 um, rancidity, the oxidation. My guess. And if 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 it was growing in that. Um, in that environment, which it's probably not going to, cause it's not going to like it.
1: So- yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, th- yeah. Well, and yeah, I agree. It should. Well, number one, it shouldn't be there if you're using pasteurized right. dairy products. And number two, I don't even know. I don't think the, I think the water activity is low enough, um, that it's just not going to grow. But I mean, I've not done the research. I don't know if every, anybody's done the research probably because, you know, people just looked at it and said, yeah, it's just, it's not, uh, it's just, it's not, it's not it, you, you want to keep it out. Um, but but you don't need to worry about uh, you know using temperature as a way of controlling that and and honestly I mean you know shame on the Dunkin Donuts spokeswoman because she, I think she got it wrong uh, you know and and uh, well that's not true so it could be. That that's what Dunkin' Donuts is saying because that's what their health inspectors are telling them. But if Dunkin' Donuts really wanted to have spreadable butter, um, uh, they should file a variance, right? Which I, 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 you know, legitimately is difficult and and you know problematic. And I can understand why corporations don't want to do it. But but honestly, uh, you could certainly do it if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, it was, or
1: use time as a public health control. There you go. Right, like there's there's an option here to
0: work within. Uh, within the you know, the food code already. Um, anyway, yeah, butter. Who who thought that we'd be talking about the safety of butter mm. today? Uh, if we went back two weeks and that it would come across our desk like twice and twice, two different... yes, yeah, bizarre, bizarre. Anyway, like I like the butter. I like the butter stuff because it's it's like you said at the start. It's one of these myths or one of these like truisms, maybe that everyone everyone out there can. Uh, has a connection to whether the butter that they have at home is that on the counter or is it in the fridge and and why you know and 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 what are the why what 's the why behind that and if any of it has to do with food safety or not it 's a it 's a really fun one
1: yeah agree uh, and, and i think we should i think we should pursue um Uh, It's not; it wouldn't quite be in alphabetical order, but it but it but it keeps us uh, consistently in the B's. Ben, Uh, I want to move from uh, talking about butter, uh, which is not a food safety problem, um, to talking about bats, bats, um, and not Mike bats, Mike bats, the podcast, Mike bats. uh, But this would be uh, the animal uh, bats. Yeah.
0: So um, after my uh, my Gwyneth Paltrow uh, row, uh, which we talked about uh, in the last episode, uh, that story evaporated as, as they do. And, uh, all of a sudden, uh, all people wanted to talk to me about was, uh, if you found a dead bat in a, in a salad bag, uh, how likely is it that you're going to get
1: rabies? And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, rabies is a serious disease. I'm pretty sure it is not spread, uh, by, uh, like, uh, uh via, uh, oral consumption, I'm pretty sure too, uh, but that, that
0: came up. So yeah, there was a um, there's there a person in Florida who uh, opened up um, a uh, bag of uh, salad mix, and uh, there was a dead bat uh, in that. And
1: and then my, the my advice, Johnson- Ben. My advice, you know, if this happens to you, I just want you to know that my professional and anyone who's listening, my professional opinion would be: don't eat the salad. Don't I know. I know. It's kind of. I'm kind of. I'm kind of on the edge there. I'm kind of going out there. I'm being like super conservative, but I would say don't eat the salad. It, and are you going to say don't eat the
0: salad because it's gross, or are you going to? Eat, or what? Let's let's talk about the risk here.
1: Well, you know, I I I, don't, I I don't know if anybody has look, like here. Here's the thing, Ben. Salmonella. <laughs> salmonella is found in birds that fly. Bats also fly. That may that may be <laughs> that might be I, why they have salmonella. I.
0: I don't know. I see your, I see your salmonella in things that fly, uh-huh. <laughs> and I rate and I raise you uh, isolation of salmonella vitro from uh, fruit bats. Boom, boom. Just texted it to you. So yeah, bats can carry salmonella. Good call because they fly because salmonella likes to fly.
1: But but um, uh, yeah, I, I would say any kind of bat, whether it's a fruit bat or not, um, uh, they are likely. I would suspect that since they are mammals. Uh, And mammals can have uh, share pathogens with other mammals, like bats are mammals and people are mammals. Um, That 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 uh, you know the bat, bat, uh, which may or may not be alive, would certainly be traumatized. And one of the things that animals do, Ben, I don't know if you know this maybe it's the reason for the slight delay in the podcast this morning when, when animals are traumatized, um, <laughs> they, uh, they need to defecate and uh, you know, boom, uh, the, uh, the bat, there could be bat poop in the salad. If there's bats in the salad, Ben, there could be bat poop in the salad and that, and that's not good. And you know, even if you don't visibly see the bat poop, the, <laughs> the clue that yeah. there's a bat is, is probably an, and you know, could bat hairs could have uh could have uh pathogens. So I would say, you know, just stay away. Yeah, I agree. And, and,
0: um, I My guess is that in the washing process – and this is why there is a recall link to this mm. – um, in the washing process that uh, the companies employ. And I think this was uh, – who, who made this? Who made this bat stuff? Um, bats, bats, bats. It was – let me see. It was a Walmart uh, uh, distributed – uh, fresh express oh, sorry poor sorry guy. It took fresh me for, took me a while my guess is that fresh express's wash water process mm. is not set up to um, inactivate pathogens on the inside and outside of a bat <laughs> like like it's not validated for that right like i, I suspect expect... not
1: i suspect yeah. not yes
0: we wouldn't expect so so the fact that there may have been higher levels uh of salmonella than, than expected if you had picked up some uh, contaminated leaf uh and a lot more organic matter and then it makes it through and it's in this bat in this bag uh and there were, it was commingling with a bunch of uh lettuce and other bags. That's why people do a recall. But I would say this is my this is my uh me being a risk assessor uh hat. I'd say the risk of getting uh ill is is pretty low. Um, and, and people, like, it's not, it's not, it's not zero, and I wouldn't want to eat the bag that had the bat in it, but the, the risk in, I, my, my guess is the risk in the, in the rest of that lot's probably, it's probably pretty unlikely we're going to see illnesses from it.
1: Right, but I would also say that a smart thing to do is to recall it. And yep. I, if I had a bag of that salad that came from that same batch that was washed at the same time as the bat containing bag, um, I would not eat it. Right? No, me because it's, yeah, just, exactly. it's just a, just a common sense, it's common sense kind of thing. But and and so the reason why I say that is
0: that the response based on the risk is not the same. <laughs> you know, bat in a salad—that's a big headline. It was everywhere. And in fact, followed up by the next day, where a scorpion was found in a bag of spinach um, in uh, oh in Maryland. Okay, and, and then uh, so and I've got a bunch of audio in my head now um, from the website there. So we got bats, we got scorpions. Every you know, a lot of the coverage went to how does this stuff happen? How could we possibly get
1: bats and scorpions in our salads? And uh well I can tell they... you I can tell you how Ben. Yeah, tell me I, how. I don't I don't know if you know this, but basically we we grow food outside. <laughs> and outside is also where we keep the bats and the scorpions and the frogs and the insects and many many things. And so because of that these are things are all together outside. Um, and sometimes when we bring things from the outside to the the packing house, which is not really the inside, but it's the it's the moving towards the inside uh, part of the part of the food um, supply. Um, sometimes uh, things from the outside. You can you know what else we keep in the outside bin generally rocks. And so sometimes we do. you can find rocks. You can find scorpions. You can find bats. Uh, uh, you can find, um, lots of things, frogs. Um, and so that's how it happens because that's how we get our food and it's, it's not good. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It should, it shouldn't happen, but you know, um, it's a probability game and it's going to happen sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, it it just, it just happened to, to come up this time. And, uh, you know, bottom line is you should report it to the company that sold you the food and you should get your money back and you should maybe even get a little bit of compensation, I think. Um, and, uh, and then get on with your life.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and it's not, it's not good. You don't want to see it, right. uh, in there, but it's, uh, it, it, I, it, I found it interesting that, um, there was like, this is the first time that anyone's found anything in a bag salad and i went back through the uh the annals of barf blog is that the way, that's the right way to say that mm-hmm. uh, the annals of barf blog and and no we got frogs we got bats we got spiders uh we've got rats mice all in in bag salad this this kind of thing happens it's not all the time but it's uh
1: not like the first time it's all it's happened um and and bet i can, i will predict with a virtual certainty it won't be the last time either. No, we might even hear about it again today
0: or this week. We might. So,
1: so you, your your quote of um, uh,
0: th- food comes from outside. Uh, I when I was interviewed for the New York uh, Daily News uh, about this, um, I said, "Simply put, we're collecting food from the outdoors." He said, "Animals
1: are outdoors." Hmm.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: it's almost it my, if we coordinated
0: <laughs> yeah it was my, my favorite it's my favorite ones of all time it's good it's good i like it
1: yeah oh good stuff well well
0: done yeah so check your bags check check for bats check for mike bats you, i mean you definitely don't want to see mike bats in a salad bag
1: oh my god I, I, that would be traumatic
0: <sighs> it would be hey do you know um do you know today's a special day i mentioned this right do you know today? Uh it's uh, thirty nine balloons day. It is thirty nine balloons day. And the reason why I wanna mention thirty nine balloons is Mike Batts. It's oh, hilarious. Wait, does
1: he have does he have a hit song called uh uh Thirty Nine uh Lift Balloons?
0: Lift Balloons, he does. So so I, I took I posted a picture on facebook um, uh you know I came into my office today and there were thirty nine balloons uh, and they all had sayings written on them some were Drake lyrics uh, some were about hockey, some were about food safety um, uh, like uh, must be symptom free for twenty four hours that's for number twenty four um, uh, where's another good one here um, 13, the number of Stanley Cups that the Maple Leafs have. Anyway, um, I posted this on Facebook, and Mike Batts, uh, his response was, he's won my birthday already, where he wrote, I hope they're not all filled with farts. (laughs) (laughs) That that guy's too funny. I hope so, too.
1: I haven't popped any. Well, I... I, uh, my, my My only uh feeble attempt at humor was to send you a uh, a, a birthday greeting in facebook, which was just uh, ninety nine uh, ninety not ninety not even ninety nine thirty nine um, red red balloons because that is the only colored balloon. <clears throat> That is emoji, so it was yes thank, thank you for my thirty nine luft balloons you 're welcome and we, we will link to we will link to the awesome uh, Nana video uh, ninety nine luft balloons, which is a, just a fantastic song. actually, I was listening to it the other day a few few weeks ago i 'm not sure why um, and it 's way better in the German than it is in the uh, in the english, so we will we will link to that uh, on youtube it's everyone should go listen to that song it 's a great song um, it has, conjures up uh, flashbacks for me from uh, uh, the the 1980s uh, when that was a hit song. But it's, a great, it's still a great song, I think.
0: Oh, it is. And I think it might go on to a karaoke list. Oh, yes. Um, there was... Where is this? The, Molly, I... Someone he said it's way better in its original German. That's a <laughs> quote from something.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I can't think of what it was. Or maybe it's something that... Uh, um. Oh, yeah. I don't know where it was. It might have been in a from a Hunter S. Thompson uh, book or something. Anyway. Um. Hey. So we got bats. We got we got Mike bats. You know. You know what? I I want to take a. I'm, I don't know why this has turned into a Mike bats love fest. Uh huh. But I want to take
1: it. Yeah, well, has pretty, the same name as a a critter found. You know, <laughs> if we knew a guy named Mike Scorpion, we'd be talking all about <laughs> Mike Scorpion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, Don. That's a show. We're here all week. Ooh. Um you so so Mike bats uh wrote an article uh that I'm going to text you. No. Okay. That I'm going to text
1: text me the whole article. I'm going to text you the whole ar- time to type it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to text you the whole article. Yeah, uh, it's going to come across as a PDF. Do you know about this article ranking the disease burden of fourteen pathogens and food sources in the United States using attribution data from outbreak investigations and expert elicitation?
1: I, I believe that is the most famous Mike Batts uh, paper ever.
0: It is. I like. I, I do want to put some love on this. I gave it to one of my grad students this morning because I love this paper. Mm. Like it is the. It, and I think you, know, um, as as much as uh, Elaine Scallon has done for. Uh, talking about burden of foodborne illness. Mike Batts has done for me talking about the burden of specific food and uh, pathogen combinations. So we're we're, uh, in the process of writing a paper about um, Thanksgiving thermometer use. And uh, in the introduction... I, I told Minnow, I was like, just go to the BATS paper and just cite Campylobacter poultry is the number one uh, disease burden of food and pathogen combination for disease burden rank. There you go. It's hard to, hard to beat. It's a great – it's a fantastic paper. Agreed. Check out that paper for people who are not – who don't know what we're talking about. We'll link to it in the in the show notes. Yep. Um, so we got the BATS. Hey uh, – where was there was something else? Something else I want to talk about. I want to talk about Alton Brown.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes.
0: So so Alty, Uncle Alty, uh, as he's known just to me, uh, uh, was was kind of like all over the place yesterday um, uh, about the five second rule because it's news. Right. This is the news that, that keeps on giving. Um, so mm-hmm. this is in the tasting table uh, from the tasting table when it comes to the five second rule. Um, that's saving grace for those of us who are clumsy, which allows us to pick up food that's fallen on the floor for just a few seconds and eat it. There's virtually no consensus. Then they mention our good friend at Aston University, Anthony Hilton, friend of the pod, um, and, and uh, Donald w, w. Schaffner, food microbiologist, uh, re, um, owner, co-owner of the pod, at Rutgers University. Uh, And then now there's a food science nerd, Alton Brown, as his own take on the rule. Quote, hey, if your floor is clean and your food's hot, heck, why not? He tells Tasting Table. In my apartment, i definitely do it, but probably not if I have to scoop it up. But if it's butter toast, I'm going to blow it off and eat the damn thing. But he says he would never serve it to a guest. It's not necessarily a scientific thing, but a respect thing.
1: Well, I, so here's the thing. So I, I – w- one, one of our beloved listeners um, tried to get us into a, a Twitter fight with Alton Brown, which I'm not, I'm not willing to do um, because I think that there are – some of the points that he makes here makes sense. Now, not all of them, okay? Um, but I, I would say um, – I would, I would rephrase what he said, and I would say if your floor is clean and your food is dry, ah. heck, why not? Right yeah. Because we know that moisture facilitates transfer um, in, in and he says in my apartment and i and I have said i've gone on the record with talking with reporters who asked me about the story, uh, yes, in my own home, I will eat food off the floor. It depends on where it falls on the floor, it depends on what food it is, but yes, I have done that. Um, I will continue to do that because I know the risk is low um, to me, the big thing is not whether it 's hot or not but but whether it's moist. And I, I, I'm i not sure. Th- I mean, I have dropped uh, buttered toast. I have dropped peanut buttered toast. And if they land butter side down, you can blow it off. But here's the thing. In my house, Ben, um, and probably in your house too, um, there's dog hair on the floor. And I, I don't hits. know if you ever tried to blow dog hair off of butter, I have not done a scientific study on this, but I suspect that it is not going to be successful. So I'm betting that uh, Mr. Brown um, does not have pets in his apartment. Um, I, but but I don't know. I don't know. But – but uh, so that's – that's. De- and again, it's not because I know that my pet hair is loaded with pathogens because it, it, it may have pathogenic organisms. It may not. Probably not. But it's disgusting and I don't want to eat a piece of pet – I don't want to eat – you know, Ben – I washed my hair this morning. I don't even want to eat a piece of my own hair because that's gross.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny, but <laughs> well, just because you never thought about it. And once you think about it, it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't want to wash my, I don't want to eat your hair. I want, <laughs> I, I want to wash my hair. I don't want to eat it. Um, yeah, I, I really like this, uh, the, the idea that if it's really hot, why not? You know, like, like it's hot enough to to singe or kill anything that it hits on the ground is what I think he's saying. So meaning yeah. like if it's above 135, plus I'm going to get some heat transfer to the bacteria or create some time temperature combination that's going to kill any of the bacteria that I might pick up. And I'm not even really worried about a lot of bacteria environmentally. I'm much more worried about viruses. And I think it's got to be hot, real hot for a long time to, to deal with the viruses from the floor. Uh, so I, I don't think he's an,
1: heat is an issue. And, and I would say, too, um, his last quote here, uh, which is, I think it's not necessarily a scientific thing but a respect thing. I would say it is both a scientific thing and a respect thing or rephrasing it in language that's more appropriate for this podcast. It is a risk assessment thing and it is a risk management thing, right? Yes. And if I am managing yeah. the risk for some other person – not me, I'm going to make a more conservative decision. But ultimately, and I, I tried to make this point in some of the, the media that I did around this, is it, ultimately it is a risk management decision. And you need to, to weigh all of these factors and then make the appropriate decision for the person at the time. And, and I, I made the comment, I think, in, in media that I did on this um, about kids, right? If your kids are, are potentially immunocompromised uh, or you know, very young children, on the one hand, yes, you want to uh, expose their immune system to things, but on the other hand you you certainly don't want to to put them at risk right so right right so it's, it's, it's risk it 's risk assessment it 's informed by science but it 's also risk management which is which is a personal decision or, or, or a you know a, a decision that 's placed in in context whether it 's personal or or you know in a larger way and certainly in a restaurant i don 't want them doing that right i mean i, I just don 't want my food that 's being prepared in a restaurant to be dropped on the floor and then served to me. I, I, I don't want that. Right. Uh, because I know that it's, well, it's disgusting and, uh, and it's, it's a potential, uh, risk. Right. Right. I want to throw, you know, people have been really, um,
0: successful about throwing out analogies in the last week. So I'm going to throw an analogy out for, for Alton Brown here. Um, and, do you think that we've we've had this discussion about hand washing after uh, you know, using the restroom and the difference between a poopy hand wash and a pee hand wash? Do you, do you think Alton would like when he urinates in his apartment and he's just
1: cooking food by himself that he doesn't wash <laughs> his hands? <laughs> I but don't know. I want to. I want to know the answer. That's a. I, that's lines. a. That, you know. Here's the thing. Why is Tasting Table not asking that question? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, and is that is that a science thing or a respect thing? I don't know, uh, but hey, hopefully um, he'll debunk a, a, a few other food myths soon too, like that one. I look forward
0: to that. Yeah, Maybe a t- that's where we should have we should have like engaged with him or 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 the the uh, friends of the pod should have engaged with them uh, on on the Twitter uh, around the five second rule. They really should have been like, all right, great, but tell us about your hand washing after urination
1: yes yes
0: oh that's good it's good well there you go it's a call out to the to the people um so we got yeah we got Alton hey we got more flour
1: making people sick oh my god cool. Ben I am I am so tired of this why 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 Ben why tell me why well it's because flour's tough man
0: <laughs> 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 right like it's not cooked and you can't heat treat it if you're going to bake anything and and the Pillsbury um, doughboy man he's intimidating and he's he's a, yeah that guy's a little he's he's a little crazy um and uh yeah so people are are still still getting sick um and and I I do find this 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 is where the the science stuff gets kind of exciting so um the uh I'm going to link us to uh, a article that was published yesterday where a listener of the podcast, um, who, uh, you might know, we've engaged on the, on the Twitter, Scott, Scott Lockheed, mm-hmm. Lockheed, I think it's Lockheed. He's a PhD candidate at the School of Environmental Studies at Queen's University. He was interviewed for, uh, for this, um, by CTV News, which is like Canada's CBS. And, uh, and, <laughs> But we, so 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 is is Scott like Canada's you? No, no, cuz okay. I'm Can, I'm Canada's me. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm He's like uh Scott I don't know. I don't know who Scott. let I'm done with analogies. Okay. Anyway. Um so but he he what what I learned what I've learned from the coverage on this one is that the um the product in question 26 people are are ill it's all been it's all come for through um like one specific mill that has nothing to do with the mill that's from ardent mills where the mm. flour was produced nothing to do with the general mills uh outbreak of last year like like geographically it's a different mill it's not you know they're different so um same you know this is uh i think it's o two six no 020, 0121. same out- same uh um
1: same pathogen as last year's so is there something about well, e. coli well o- so so let let's so we need to break this apart so not it is the same strain of e coli well is it so what do you call not that, the right same strain. it's it's, it's just, yeah yeah it's it's the same o antigen type right yes. it is it is it is e coli o121 but it is it is it genetically identical or i guess how closely related is it to the E. coli O121 that caused the other outbreaks, right? That's, well, that, a, that's a key question. That's a key key
0: question. We don't we don't know, right? Right. Um, yeah, we don't. We I don't sure, have. I the- sure hope
1: uh, the the food safety people in Canada and the food safety people in the United States are comparing those. Well, I get, I mean, uh, pulse types or or uh, or ideally whole genome, right? To know because that's going to be really important. So, is this is there something unique about these these this general class of E. coli O121s that makes it unique to flour, or in fact, is it maybe coming from uh, the same wheat field or the same geographical source? There's a field out there, or a bunch of fields that are contaminated. Maybe the fields are on both sides of a certain river that has a lot of this E. coli in it. I mean, we don't know, right? And this is part of trying to figure it out.
0: Right, that is exactly uh, what you know what I'm interested in finding out. Uh, and ardent mills, so just see so, so we know it's a coast to coast network of forty community mills and they are linked they're um, headquartered in Denver Colorado so geographically is one of those forty community mills close to the same source as uh, last year's one two one like um, right. in in general mills yeah I mean right. you articulated it much better than than I was what is there a link or is there not a link? And if there's not a link, is there something special about O121 right. and wheat right. and flour? Right, and right. And right. dry, being right. dry. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's the most fascinating part. The tragic part is you've got 26 people ill here, and last year there was 63 people ill um, from the General Mills outbreak. So it's, you know, we, these are not insignificant numbers. These are decent-sized outbreaks.
1: And, and, e. and- e. coli is a, is a tragic disease, right? I mean, it, it potentially, potential death, potential lifelong uh, debilitation because of this. This is, this is not like you're, you're vomiting and then you're better a few days later. This is potentially very serious.
0: Right, right, and and I want to just to come back to my my favorite paper of the day from Mike Batts. Um, I I had a question from a colleague about um, oh you know a non oh one five seven and oh one five seven um, pathogens and their burden and and by burden not just like prevalence but but illness and and Mike has a really great um, table in that in that paper where um 0157 there there are vastly more outbreaks if we go 1999 to 2008 143 outbreaks lots of cases um and we're I'm trying to find something else no, that wasn't the right one it basically there there are less hospitalizations for the non 0157s hmm. um compared to the, the you know, the 0157s like we we just expect to see there it is. Table table one. Let me I gotta rotate my rotate my table here. Sorry. <laughs> um, right. So it's okay. Yeah, the cost of the O one five seven is is almost a tenfold more. Um, there are drastically more illnesses in non 157 estimates. We estimate one hundred and twelve thousand. Illnesses to uh, for non O one five sevens to only sixty three thousand illnesses for O one five sevens. But of those hundred twelve illness thousand illnesses, um, the estimate is uh, the mean estimate estimate is uh, two hundred seventy one hospitalizations. And of the sixty three thousand O one five seven illnesses, the mean estimate of hospitalization is is twenty one hundred. So they're more prevalent the non O one five sevens less virulent right with that right and but if we look at this one this is where things get like uh, if i'm looking at the cdc page from last uh, uh last summer last september on the general mills outbreak 63 illnesses 17 hospitalizations and i think the um canadian one right now is something like uh where is it click click uh, you know, 11 illnesses maybe with the, with the um, 24, uh, uh, 24 illnesses, sorry, 26 illnesses and 11 hospitalizations. So it's, it's quite a bit, right?
1: right. Like it's higher than, than you would, than, than I would expect. For a non-0157 H7. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. Right. Well, and again, we need, we need to know more about this, um, <clears throat> E. coli O121, you know, what virulence factors, what, what genetic virulence factors does it have? I mean, we just, we just need, we just need more information. Um, and I, the other thing too, that is, I, I, that I predict, okay. All right, we prediction will, hats on. We will, we will continue to see now E. coli and salmonella outbreaks linked to flour. Um, yes. Because, and we, we've seen this played out again and again, and this is the latest one. Now, flower is on the epidemiologist's radar, and it's on their questionnaires. And so now we know that this raw material is a potential source of this organism. And so now it is going to be figured. In. When, you, when someone shows up with E. coli, certainly if they show up with E. coli 121, but if they show up with E. coli or Salmonella, and the and the local public health uh, Epi folks start talking to them, contact with raw flour or raw dough is going to be on the questionnaire, right? If if the if those public health people are at all paying attention, and so of course, because of the fact that you know you you're now looking at this as a potential cause, we are going to we are going to catch those outbreaks, right? And 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 independent of. <clears throat> Let's say even if the industry gets better, okay, and, and, and cleans up to the extent that the prevalence is is less, we may still see a rise in cases because now we're we're looking for it, whereas before we were not looking for it. And so it, it that's my that's my prediction.
0: I am with you. I'm going to throw something else in there. Mm. I'm. We got our prediction hats on. Um, that's I don't know if you can hear it. I'm just um rubbing my prediction hat. Um. <laughs> I think that we are now that we're looking at flour, we're going to find listeria in flour. Um What do you think what do you think about that? And the reason I say yeah. that is because the more we look at nuts for salmonella, oh, hang on a second. There's listeria floating around in dry nuts.
1: Yeah, you know, you pro- probably we are going to we are going to find it. I don't uh, you know. We're going to have we're going to have recalls and we're not going to have illnesses. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, it's sad to say, but yes, I think you are right. We're gonna. We're gonna probably have. Uh, pro, yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Uh, which yeah. is unfortunate because I don't. I don't think flour is a risk for listeria. Um, I agree. Uh, but but yeah. But that's
0: the way it works. It's that is not how our uh, regulatory framework is built. Yep. <laughs> um, and when does it become a risk? When you put that flour into a milkshake machine in a hospital and let it sit there and never clean it. <laughs> so don't put flour into your milkshake machines.
1: Yeah. I, I, I prefer my milkshakes without, without any, any, uh, uh, raw cookie dough or, uh, cooked cookie dough. Well, a cooked cookie dough would be okay, I guess, but I don't, I don't know who's making, who's making, Ben, I know ben one. I'm who's just, making you know cookie dough milkshakes?
0: I don't know. People are making people are making weird stuff, Don. People are people are making things. They're making cookie dough milkshakes. They're making uh, cr- crickets. Oh. Crickets are. Uh, you want to talk about crickets in I, Seattle? I
1: want to talk about crickets in Seattle.
0: Oh my gosh! Not They're to be making, confused
1: with the, uh, the the famous movie "Sleepless in Seattle." Um,
0: this... Yeah. Well, so at the at the, uh, at the ballpark, Mariners, Seattle Mariners, they uh, play the baseball. Um, no, it's not crickets and grasshoppers. They're selling, they're selling a lot of grasshoppers at a concession stand at the baseball, uh, uh, stadium. Uh, they are, uh, they sold 901 orders of the insects over the first three home games. The grasshoppers are toasted in a chili lime salt and come in a four ounce cup for $4.
1: Ben, if I had a bowl of, uh, spicy, Grasshoppers, right now, I would eat them. I have. I think this is the food food of the future. Um, And uh, I I, thank you. And I think they're delicious. I have had insects before, uh, and I think we, you know, uh, I mean, it sounds uh, silly, but we have to feed more people on this planet, and we need to get over our uh, silliness about eating insects. I mean, of course, if you have a religious prohibition, you know, that's your business. But I personally. I would love a source of fried grasshoppers and I would eat the heck out of some.
0: Oh man. These are, uh, Don, these are just roasted grasshoppers, I think. So if you want fried, toasted, they're toasted.
1: All right. Well, see, I'm I'm looking at an article from the Seattle times and it says a big head at the Mariners game has been the fried grasshoppers. So fried. I, you you know, I'm just going based on what the Seattle times staff reporter Tan Vin says.
0: Well, there you go. You get, so I just did a, Little calculation here, you get uh, twenty uh, roasted uh, fried grasshoppers in your order for four bucks.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a four ounce cup. Uh, they've sold eighteen thousand grasshoppers in the first three games. It's a lot of grasshoppers. The kitchen, the kitchen had to do an emergency run to get more bugs to get uh,
0: through Wednesday's game. Uh, ben, we had I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but you and Michelle and I had talked about uh, insect farms and whether they're truly, truthfully a farm. Uh, As per the, per FDA's regulation, it's definitely a food, but is it a farm?
1: I think it's a farm, but I, but I, but that's, that's my opinion as, as a, uh, like a, a a normal person, not as somebody who's an expert on the regulations. Well, so
0: there you go. Get your toasted grasshoppers. Things I worry about in toasted grasshoppers are the same, same things I would worry about in toasted anything.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and we, we, we know that insects are a a risk of uh, having pathogens in them. But so are many of the foods that we eat. Uh, many of the raw right. the raw proteins, right? Uh, raw dairy, uh, raw meat, uh, raw eggs uh, all all potentially contain pathogens. Uh, raw insects, no different.
0: Yeah. So, and and if you dry roast something, uh, you know, I think a cricket's like a nut. I think Linda might want to do grasshoppers and crickets. As uh, Salmonella and Grasshopper and Crickets for the uh, – and, and then we will call her the Grasshopper Queen.
1: And, and you know, she is not busy enough. I mean she's the department chair. She's the president of IAFP. She needs to start a brand-new research area in addition to all the other research that she's currently doing because, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. And if you Google Grasshopper Queen,
0: uh, there are some good images. <laughs> so So check it out. Excuse me, I had to I had to turn my microphone off to cough. There.
1: Oh, I've—I've I've been not turning my microphone off to cough. So you're—you're you're clearly way more, uh, uh, you know, professional than I am. Wow. Just—I
0: mean, we're still just—we're still just amateurs at this, Don. Until, uh, until you, chaos. You know.
1: You know who else is amateurs, Ben? <laughs> I don't know. I like—I like the segue. I don't know who. Well, Ben, I want to tell you about eight websites that should not give food safety advice. Oh, and yes. right now, right now, there's only one on the list because I just got angry and I haven't done any research. Um, so we are talking about again, thanks to, thanks to our uh, loyal, devoted listeners uh, who do a good job of making me angry on Twitter by by not making me angry, but by pointing out things that make me angry. Um, this is an article. Actually, this is an old article. So, um, uh, but but it's from September uh, 2016. We, pro- we probably already talked about this article. I think. Uh, this is eight foods you shouldn't reheat because they could poison you, um, and I'm not sure that there's anything factually correct in this article at all. So, um, yeah, I'm. 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 And this is a typical clickbait headline. It starts with the number. Um, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know what what uh, you know what, why uh, why it was published on September 29th. Uh, it's not leading up to. Uh, leftover season, uh, Thanksgiving and whatnot. But, uh, it's just, I don't even know where to start, man. Um, spinach Car- apparently
0: carrots, carrots and celery is where I'd like to start.
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's take it, let's take Bye. it in the, in the order, in the article, uh, spinach, uh, has nitrites, uh, so you shouldn't uh, cook them, uh, potatoes, uh, uh, don't let them stand. Don't pull them from the oven and let them stand for an hour, Uh, And then pack them away. Um, If you find yourself with a few leftovers, store the potatoes in multiple plastic containers and uh, refrigerate promptly so they cool down faster. Uh, Same for celery and carrots. (coughs) That sounds like they're just phoning it in. Same for spinach. Celery and carrots. Okay. Um, Rice. Apparently rice can give you food poisoning. Um, mushrooms are the most apt to make you ill of any items on the list. Ben, mushrooms are vulnerable to microorganisms. Um, okay. Ugh. When eating cooked mushrooms, eat them immediately. <coughs> okay. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, don't worry about burning your mouth. Uh, cause that's not a risk. Um, beets, uh, your safe bet for beets is to cook, uh, only what you think you're going to be eating in one sitting. Or eat them, <laughs> or eat them cold. Um, okay, eggs. Uh, reheating eggs uh, can be destructive to your digestive system. Yeah, totally okay. kill I don't know what that's about. Um, chicken. Uh, yeah, so don't don't eat leftover chicken because um, uh, bacteria. I guess I'm. I don't know, Ben. There's just nothing. <sighs> I there's nothing it. there's nothing in this article that is scientifically correct. Well there's, there's 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 vague vague allusions to vaguely scientific things. So anyway.
0: My my <sighs> favorite my favorite part about a story like this usually is the comments. <clears throat> there's no comments. Huh. Nothing. Ugh. Huh. Well is there is it that you can't leave comments? Yeah, there's no. You can't leave comments. It's uh. like not even a story. It's like my recipes. Who who is Michelle Derisaw? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's do a little do 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 digging here. Yeah, this. I, I mean, I just don't even know where to start on this one. Yeah, she's uh. on the Twitter. Huh. I, I don't know. I don't know what this.
1: uh What like what it. No. I, I think it 's probably somebody that was told to go write a food safety story, and uh, yeah because uh, because my recipes should be you know here 's the thing Ben people do go to my recipes to get information about food, and it would be a tremendous opportunity to actually do some education some some re- reasonably good education around food safety right and talk about reheating leftovers and talk about storage in the refrigerator. Um, it, this could have been a really nice, well done story. Right, right. Um,
0: uh, Michelle Michelle has a, a founder of her blog. She's she's written quite a bit for myrecipes.com and from for Southern Living. Uh, not nothing that looks like any more food safety things. Like cheese, you're gonna love these three quesadilla recipes. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But I wish there was a comment section because this is one that I would have I would have engaged with. Yes. Uh hey, there was another one out there. Um on foods that you should avoid somewhere. Okay. Where was it? I don't know. I'll see if I can find it. Let's okay. talk about something else. Okay. What should we talk about? Let's talk about um You want to talk about rat lungworm? <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it. I do. I don't why, why don't we talk about rat? oh oh it was six tips to avoid foodborne illness when dining out. Let's leave. Uh, okay. Let's do this one first. This okay, is a life hacker sure. from oh, this,
1: okay. Life hacker.
0: Life hacker India. Okay. from oh, right. right after right after we, we avoided we, we recorded last time. So six tips to avoid foodborne illness when dining out. Number one, Don, skip the
1: ice cubes in your drink. Because of, often they're contaminated. That that's good advice if you're not in the United States. Yes, I mean, if, if you if you were uh, uh, lo- hacking your life in India, um, avoiding the ice cubes would probably be a good idea. Uh, now here's where it t- goes a little wonky. <clears throat> okay,
0: steer clear of sauces. Now huh? some sauces, yeah, some sauces like uh, like a hollandaise, uh, or uh, maybe gravy might go into the into the sauce uh, category. Often sauces are stored at room temperature. And any food that has been sitting in room temperature for a long time can be harmful. You should opt
1: for food that is freshly cooked and hot instead. Okay. All right. We have to to point out, though, in the article, there is a picture of what is obviously like Heinz ketchup. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, it's totally ketchup.
1: (laughs) Which would be a sauce that I would not steer clear of. I would would find that, in fact, uh, to be probably quite safe
0: yeah uh yeah, and it's uh not even if it was sitting at room temperature for a long time, it's not going to be harmful. It's going to be right. It's going to be uh, bubbly, maybe, with uh, fermentation. yeah, uh, Don
1: never orders items <laughs> that have an array of vegetables. Never orders them, never orders them. Never orders them. Okay, so my question to you, Ben, is, how many items in an array? Oh it's is, it's is one vegetable six. No, is one six. vegetable in array is two vegetables in array? No, no, 6. Okay, 6. Okay.
0: Yeah. More yeah, an array array is from the latin work Ar- aratna uh, which uh it refers to uh, the six-armed uh, uh god of uh war.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you're reading from the internet but I'm pretty sure you're just making that up. I just made that up. I just made that up. Um well, so, so, so here's the thing, Ben. Usually, food items that have many vegetables in it are made of leftover vegetables. This is a trick that restaurants use to cut down on wastage. Um, it's, it's. I guess it is sort of a trick, but you know what? I, I love, I love a stew which has an array of vegetables. This is actually a tip. That we have used in my house. In fact, a my my, my, uh, <laughs> my wife, my lovely wife made a dinner last night and she added um, some roasted red peppers or some, some cooked, some fried red peppers to the dish because the, as I think she put it, there was a red pepper in there that was starting to look a little wonky. So I cooked it up and that's totally fine. That's a, yeah. yeah. So leftover vegetables, as long as they're not rotten, um, you know that 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 you don't want to have in a salad, perfectly safe to to heat them up and uh, to reuse them. And it is a good tip to to cut down on food wastage. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not too worried about uh, never ordering items that have an array of vegetables. Do you think Life Hacker like Life Hacker India um, went
0: to Michelle Derasaw's? Uh, reheat <laughs> leftover posts and was like, oh, well, man, there's a whole bunch of leftover vegetables she's talking about in here. Don't reheat those. it's That's the cyclo- cyclical uh, nature of uh, uh, the media. Um, order only popular items on the menu because food items are uh, in demand, have lesser chances of being stored in the fridge for days. Great. That's, hey, actually, not a bad tip. Not a bad tip. Not a bad tip. Uh, that, that how, is, do you, how do you know? Okay. Well how practical uh, is that? Know. Is this popular? Yes. Okay, I'll have that. that. Is that popular? Uh everything here is really popular, sir. Oh great, I'll eat them all. Uh and then my favorite of this entire one is Life Hack. <laughs> Feel free to order soup anywhere. Soups are cooked at really high temperatures, so chances of it are getting spoiled. Even if it has been kept out for a day or more is less. So go ahead, relish your minestrone soup wherever you go. In fact, this is the opposite, Don.
1: Yes, yes, I. <sighs> and that's you know, the riskiest thing in the list. And 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 if you if someone offers you uh, vichyssoise soup, um, I would I would decline uh, because vichyssoise is cold soup. Um, so not not well, soups are cooked to really high temperature, but. Um, yeah, I, uh, anyway. Hey, even it's been kept out a day or more. It's good.
0: Chances are less. No, I don't think,
1: I don't, I don't think that they understand what the word chances means there. Um, Chances
0: of spoilage is less, Don.
1: But I I do want to say if you do, if you do want, uh, not some tips, but you do want some information about, um, less than uh, fantastic practices that, that maybe, uh, happen, uh, in, uh, in, uh, the kitchen. I would, I, I would highly recommend, um, Tony, B- Anthony Bourdain's book, uh, Kitchen Confidential. This was his, um, when he first burst on the scene, um, and it's, it's a quite good, uh, quite readable book. He talks about less than best practices. Um, and, uh, and I will always have a very fond memory of this particular book because I met uh, Mr. Bourdain um, when he was on a book tour uh, because we were both invited to go be on a radio show together uh, and talk about food safety and uh, his new book. So I think oh. he, was, he was a little miffed that he was not the uh, center stage. Um, but I did get to meet him and he was, a, he was a delightful and charming man.
0: Awesome. I, uh, I owe a lot to that book. Um, when I was, uh, doing my, uh, my PhD work, it, uh, you know, I was, I, I had no real background in the restaurant industry other than eating at restaurants and which does not qualify one to be an expert. Um, and so, I, uh, one of my, um, uh, mentors at the University of Guelph, Dr. Tanya McLaurin, gave me that book and said that she, um, her ex, her area of study is in, uh, hospitality management and food safety and the crossover between those, those two. And she, um, she kind of said, you should read this book. It's fantastic. It'll give you, um, it, it, it's a, a practical look at what it, what it's like to live and work in the restaurant business. Um, and And from that book, I went on to read uh, a, a book called Heat by Bill Buford. And I think Bill Buford wrote for the New Yorker, maybe. Um, and he, uh, took a year off of, uh, writing articles and went, uh, wrote this book about learning to cook in lots of different places. He went to Italy, uh, to learn how to make pasta and he worked in Mario Batali's kitchen, uh, for four months, um, as a chef or as a line cook, uh, and ran the pasta station and just like wrote about his experiences, uh, from that. Two fantastic, fantastic books. Um, and anyone that, um, that's in the, in the food safety world that, that is doing anything in retail or food, uh, food service, food safety, I'd totally recommend you check these books out. They, they put a lot of things into a practical sense.
1: Yeah. And, 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 a re- and the kitchen is, uh, you know, I, I can tell you if you, if you really thought you wanted to be a chef, you should really go read, uh, Tony Bourdain's book and then reconsider whether you really want to be a chef or not, because it, it sounds like a really, a, a brutal existence, just a really, a really tough, uh, tough way to make a living, and and you know, g- good for the people that do it. I'm I'm so glad that when I go out to a restaurant, there is somebody that's willing to work in that what seems like a very, very tough environment, um, because I sure don't want to do that job.
0: Yeah, no, it's not something that I want to do, and that's uh, what led to our last uh, episode's uh, title of uh, "My Mom Would Be Pissed." <laughs> My mom was pissed. Uh,
1: <laughs> so. Uh, I want to talk about rat lungworm now. Okay. Do you want to talk about rat lungworm? L- rat lungworm on Hawaii, by any chance? Yeah,
0: I do. I do want to talk about rat lungworm on ha- Hawaii. Uh, so this comes to us from uh, friend of the pod, Bill Marler. I just keep using friend of the pod to make you mad. By the way, it's like it's I'm subtweeting you while I talk on, to you on the on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah. So will so we'll again we will plug those bastards at uh, pod save america um uh because they're corrupting language um uh, and they're they're charming and they're funny and it's hard to hate them but i hate them a little bit um, anyway so but I'll yes
0: put, while we're on pod save america i want to tell you one another vernacular that i've added to my daily life okay from them which you know you know you you got you you got twitter right mm-hmm. and so um, if you're if you 're anything like me, uh, you open up uh, one of two apps in the morning and at times during the day when you're looking for an escape, Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and When I open up Twitter, I go to the top of my timeline and might read the first four or five tweets to get a sense of is there anything crazy going on and then I go over uh, to the little bell uh, which is the mentions right mm-hmm. I like to see if yep. people have mentioned me they want are they are they tweeting at me are they re- retweeting me? And so Pod Save America guys refer to mentions as Menchies, and I have been oh. telling – I love it. I love it. And I say to Danny, oh, I'm just going to check my Menchies.
1: <laughs> so, oh. Friend of the pod it's and Menchies. Menchies. So it's <laughs> – uh, oh, this is just so annoying.
0: Just going to check my Menchies, Don. Oh, oh. no,
1: nothing. Nothing there. I, so
0: uh. – yeah. I know. I know. It's why, it's why I tell you. It's why I tell you these things. It's because I love you. <laughs> uh, according to, new, to recent news reports, Hawaii state health officials are investigating four possible new cases of rat lungworm disease on Maui. In the past decade, there's only been two cases of the infection on the uh, Valley Isle. Data show that there were 60 cases in the last 10 years, so it's pretty, and, and pretty do, unique. Do, do you know why that there's not many reported cases? I don't. I don't know why rats very seldom go to the doctor.
1: Ah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> with and their and their lung. Yeah, at least not for lungworm. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's so underreported in the rat population. Uh, um, the infection. It's only found in rodents, uh, but infected rodents can pass the larva, the worm, in their feces. Um, Uh, Snails, slugs, and other certain animals, including freshwater shrimp, land crabs, and frogs can become infected after ingesting larvae, and then humans become um, infected with it if they eat. Uh, intentionally or otherwise,
1: raw or undercooked infect- infected intermediate host thereby <laughs> and everybody intestinal- should everybody should go and listen go and look at the uh, the marlar blog uh, post that we 're going to link to because there 's a wonderful uh, life cycle diagram that shows uh, rats moving to the the worm moving to slugs and other intermediate hosts and then the last the last one is a, a little picture of a lady who has a giant salad in front of her and she looks like <laughs> she just looks like deliriously happy like she 's just going to eat this giant big salad, and she just she doesn't know that a rat lungworm is waiting
0: for her but uh, from that slug from, yeah, there was a slug that, in her salad slug in her
1: salad so yeah
0: so don't eat slugs yep. uh, in in maui or in on maui in, when you're in hawaii uh i don't i don't know i don't know much about this i don't know much about rat lungworm do you is this something new to you
1: it is i mean obviously this is part of a category of public health risks that come to humans from a variety of different uh ways and and I you know I, I teach I have taught in the past uh public health uh microbiology section of our environment and public health course so I had to sort of broaden it mostly talks about foodborne disease but I did have to broaden my uh, my scope a little bit and there are a number of these uh, uh parasitic diseases or uh uh you know various sort of weird oddball things where it's like there's this Um, uh, this disease in in some sort of an animal population and there's an intermediate host and it's only through the intermediate host that the uh, the infection gets spread to uh, humans and they're just they're just really weird oddball things um uh, obviously, something maybe has happened um, to to sort of put an uptick in this. And 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 again, you know, there's a variety of different possible. You know, without knowing anything about it, you can hypothesize a variety of different possible causes. So there could be um, a change in foods that people are eating. There could be a change in the environment. Um, that 's caused the the risk to go up, there could be a change in production practices that that cause the the risk to to go up in in the human food supply and i don 't know um, i don 't know if we really know necessarily um, like what's what 's behind this yeah this is um, you
0: know what when it comes to slugs and um, if that, if that is, you know, sort of the, it's one of the intermediate hosts, but if that, that's the intermediate host that, in, that has infected these individuals, it's a really tough one to avoid, especially in, in fresh foods. Um, if it's something like eating undercooked shrimp or land crabs, I, you know, I don't, who knows what, or you know, exactly what it is. It's probably not the, well, it's probably not freshwater shrimp from, uh, from Hawaii. Um, but you know it this it, it, it's one to sort of keep keep our eyes on but it's it's also one like if this became a much larger prevalent issue um you know fast forward 15 or 20 years um trying to keep slugs out of fresh fruits and vegetables is really hard right like it's right. They're, just, they're just there and it's not something that we built our current good agricultural practices on
1: so. right Right, and and you know again, and it's the sort of thing too. Um, you know, uh, you, were, you mentioned Scallon uh, earlier in the uh, in the podcast, and um, there's two papers by Scallon. Uh One is um, dis- uh, foodborne disease that's been linked to causes, and then there's another paper uh, which is foodborne disease that has not been linked to causes. And the number not linked is at least as big as the number linked, and so we we know. Even though we 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 know about all these food poisoning outbreaks, and you and I every couple of weeks spend a lot a lot of time talking about them, there are many many cases that go unlinked to any organism and any food, and that's going to hopefully shrink over time. Certainly, uh, getting a handle on norovirus has helped um, you know pu- pull a big chunk of that unknown into the known category, but. Um, you know when we see an uptick like this in Hawaii it may be because we have better reporting it may be because of a change in epidemiology it may be because it's a real increase and so there's just so much there's so much uncertainty that we going on that we just don't really know um what's what but again uh thanks to bill for uh you know mentioning this and and we're talking about it and it's a thing to keep our eyes on it i wouldn't i wouldn't bet my future scientific career on doing research in this area. I mean, I think, I think if you had to pick an area, uh, studying the microbiology of insects eaten for food is probably a, a better bet in terms of what's likely to come along on the, in the future on the radar. But, uh, but this is certainly an interesting one and it's always good for us, you know, as scientists and as public health people to, uh, to keep an open mind and to try to, to learn and to stay up to date on this. So there you go.
0: Yeah, there's, there you go. That's, uh, <clears throat> the emerging infectious disease portion, of uh, food safety talk today, we should. We will tackle one new uh, type of foodborne disease every week. I think uh, from here on out,
1: every every week that every, we'll week, every week that we, we think about it or do it, we will. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if it's in the show, it's in the show. So it's it's always in the show. Um. Uh, what was I going to tell you to talk that we were going to talk about? To pats and salad. Uh, put her, I wrote something else. Don, I wrote something else that I wanted to talk about.
1: Did you want to talk about uh, uh, Fall Fairy Tale lawsuit filed after crypto uh, something something?
0: No, no, I didn't. Okay. I don't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about um, uh, the, the Mar a Lago. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I wanted yes. to talk about. Okay, That's so. a very
1: fancy restaurant, <laughs> Ben. People pay a lot it of money is. to I've, eat there.
0: I, you know, there's, I, fun, someone goes there a lot. I don't know, I don't know who it is. Someone, someone who's, uh, Someone's huh. famous. Someone's huh. famous. Uh, okay. So earlier this week, or late last week, sometime in the last, uh, couple of weeks since we last recorded, uh, there was, uh, some journalists, uh, that, uh, got their hands on inspection report, uh, from, in the, there was journalists from the Miami Herald. Uh, they were looking at, uh, food safety breaches at Mar-a-Lago. And, uh, here are the things that they, uh, that they found. 13 violations, um, and those 13 violations were, uh, um, things like, three of them were high priority, uh, things like there was raw meat that was held, um, uh, below or above 41 degrees, uh, so it was chicken was at 49, duck, uh, at 50 and raw beef at 50, ham at 57 in two of the club's coolers. Um, they were decided for not maintaining the coolers. These are the walk-ins, I, I assume. And then the one that, uh, that, you know, also sort of made some press was fish designed, which I think is not in, exactly clear. I think it's designated to be served raw or undercooked, um, had not undergone proper parasite destruction. Um, and so this is something that would be, um, you know, sushi, uh, fish that, that had been raw, but had not been pre-frozen, um, as far as the, you know, the, the folks in the, in the room, uh, in the kitchen could, could tell the inspectors. And then there were some other things like, you know, um, water at the sink where employees wash hands were too cold to sanitize hands. So anyway, I think I, I, I didn't get too excited about this. Like, there wasn't anything here. This the, I, I got – someone called me to do an interview on this. Um, I think it was from Yahoo maybe. And they're like, so is this really bad? And I was like, this is like what you would see at lots of different restaurants. I think the raw meat piece would um, – <clears throat> warm raw meat is going to spoil before it becomes any riskier for pathogens. Cause I would assume there's a bunch of pathogens there, uh, and spoilage microorganisms are going to, you know, that going to really, um, o- probably overtake it. Um, the par- the raw fish parasite destruction thing is, I mean, I, I think that's probably the, you know, the, the biggest risk, uh, but there's still a risk in eating raw or undercooked fish when it comes to salmonella. So it's not like the freezing is going to take care of um, all the pathogens, just the parasites. So I don't know. People got really excited about it. I didn't get super excited
1: about yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> the Miami Herald article is not that great. I mean, they talk about ham being at 57 degrees. Well, you know, ham should not be at 57 degrees, but guess what? If you had to pick one of those foods to put at 57, ham's a pretty good choice because it's high salt and it's cured. Um, There's a statement in that article that says water at a sink where employees wash their hands was too cold to sanitize hands. Well, so first of all, um, the water is not sanitizing anything. Uh, and second of all, yes, that's not in compliance with the local food code. Um, but it's not a food safety risk. Um, it's just, you want people to have comfortable water, warm water to wash their hands. It's you, it's hard to wash your hands well in cold water. Um, there's rusted shelves in the walk-in cooler. I mean, all of that is like, okay, whatever. Um, but my, my beef with the whole thing is, so people are paying, $200,000 to join this club. Um, they should be doing a better job. Given I, li- I like the, that quote. Given the Thank you. Given the amount of money that's flowing in. It's like for a regular fancy restaurant, yeah, this is like maybe above average worse but not like shockingly worse. And there's no evidence of illness, right? But given the resources they have, uh, they could be doing more. Yeah. Yeah, no, you – you responded
0: on Twitter to uh, uh, Joe Horvath, who tweeted at us about this, and and I, I just love that you're you're you are very succinct, very articulate. With two hundred thousand dollars membership fees, I think they could do better. <laughs> yes, yeah, they really could. Um, is it a public health risk? Nah, some of it's a little bit, but it's nothing, you know. It it would be different if, if it was a whole bunch of cooked food, um, being stored in coolers too, uh, too warm or, you know, there's, there are other things. If it was like bad hand washing, I would have been more, you know, excited about it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, when you're paying a lot of money, you would expect that uh, people are, you're training people to do things uh, safely. And as Doug so uh, eloquently puts it in uh, our fancy food ain't safe food, uh, you know, this is, uh, we see that weekly and this is uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago edition.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, I would be more worried about, um, you know, uh, raw food's and cooked foods being prepared together—that's a—that's a definite uh, risk factor there. Uh, I would worry about uh, sick employees. You know, employees working while sick. The problem is those are are harder. Like, it, it, it's an easy thing on an inspection to ding somebody for a temperature, right? It's a lot harder to ding somebody for an ill worker who's who's working while sick. That's a lot harder for an inspector to detect. Uh, Cross contamination is difficult to detect if you're not there while they're doing it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um,
0: and I, when when I was interviewed about it, um, someone said, do you expect that, you know, restaurants that are more, you know, high, upper class restaurants to have less food safety problems? And I, I kind of answered them saying, I don't expect that, that they are just because we see enough you know, bad, poor inspections and outbreaks. But but I did sort of use your quote and say, but I would, um, you know, they they have enough money and resources to do a better job.
1: Exactly, and yeah. and you know, we, and we know. Um, <clears throat> well, people have talked about um, uh, the president's uh, love of fast food, and we know you know places like uh, McDonald's do a fantastic job when it comes to food safety. Um, in part because they are perceived as a target, right? They they know that they could be sued if they make a mistake, um, but also they really care about food safety, and they really you know do an excellent job to make sure that it's just as dead simple as possible um, to make make food safe. So. Um, I want I want to talk about someone else that does a great job with food safety. All right. Um, and I signed a non disclosure, so I can't provide any details. Ooh. But I I recently toured um, Amazon Fresh uh, wow. uh, in uh, Avenel, New Jersey, where they have a large distribution center. That's all public information. I'm not revealing anything. And let me just say, I'm thinking about signing up for Amazon Fresh. Um, ah. Not because they didn't. Well, because I did. I just didn't really realize like what it was. Um, so I'm a little bit ignorant. Um, but that is. It's just a. It's a really impressive operation. I mean, really impressive. And so I met. I met a bunch of food safety people in charge of various aspects of food safety at, at Amazon, and I I was just blown away. Really, really impressive operation. Um, if you get yourself a chance to take a tour, um, uh, I just highly recommend it. They really, they really have thought a lot about uh, so many things, uh, uh, including food safety. So, big thumbs up uh, for me for Amazon Fresh. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> The podcast, um, but uh, just a really interesting operation. Awesome! Oh, and while uh, we're talking about foods coming uh, through the mail, um, uh, my wife and I finally signed up for Blue Apron, and our first uh, shipment is coming on. And they're also not a sponsor. Shame on them! Um, uh, our first uh, of, uh, uh, delivery is coming on Friday. Oh,
0: fantastic! Have you that... done?
1: Have we talked about this. Have you done? Do you do Blue Apron? Have you?
0: No, we have, we don't do Blue Apron. I I really enjoy. Grocery shopping, <laughs> so like,
1: so clearly Blue Apron and Amazon Fresh not for you.
0: Yeah, I, I we I st- I buy we buy almost everything else retail like goods that are not groceries on Amazon and other online services. Uh, but I I I probably go I go to four or five different grocery stores at least once a week each and Sam my my youngest kid he loves coming with me like that's it's a lot of like one on one time so if Jack is doing something else or if he's got you know he's whatever um he's doing Daniel take him and then I'll I'll take Sam when we go grocery shopping i really i because i do most of the cooking i i like the like inspiration of walking around the grocery store and be like, oh, we should, we should make this. Uh, So yeah, we, I, we, so that's the reason why we've kind of avoided Blue Apron. It's because I don't want to give up my grocery shopping time.
1: Wow. That's, that is really interesting. So I, uh, I'm not a, I just don't, I just don't feel like grocery shopping is a good use of my time, um, and uh, and Kristen really does not like grocery shopping at all. So I'm surprised that we haven't uh, settled on something like um, Amazon Fresh or Blue Apron before. I, I'm not sure that, that Blue Apron is going to work out for us. And, uh, sorry, Blue Apron, if you were thinking about sponsoring the podcast, I apologize. <laughs> um, just because you are locked into their what they're going to send you for this week and right. – and you can – there's sort of two – there's two sizes, right? You can buy like family size or two people size and, the, and for two people, they're going to send you three meals, right? And so then that means you have to cook three meals. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, <clears throat> that's kind of like pressure. Like, oh shoot, now we got to – We and it, it's all fresh stuff. And we if we got to cook it, we got to cook it this week. You know, yep, and yep, yep. It's like, well, we're busy. Or I mean, and of course, you can just not have a delivery that week. Um, but that takes planning. But, yeah. but yeah, and so uh, and so, I'm thinking for us the way that we work and and sort of the the our very routine. Like we always buy the same things, right? It's like we buy this kind of cereal, that kind of cereal. We buy milk. We buy eggs. We buy you know turkey bacon we buy you know it's, just, it's' it's the same thing, and so I'm just thinking it's gonna it would if if the the price works when the convenience works um and again apologies to Wegman's who also does not sponsor the podcast but who we we have exp- I have expressed in the past I'm a huge fan still a fan um we'll still continue to shop there probably but um uh yeah we're just looking we're just looking for it's just like food shows up at your house and you just click a click a thing and that's that just that's uh, pretty know, good that, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah
0: yeah we, uh, well, I'm looking forward to adding Wegmans to my uh, list of the five or six places I go weekly already, because we have a Wegmans that's uh, that's joining us here in North Carolina in the next little while.
1: Oh, in, I, in I, Raleigh, I, you know, let's put let's put a pin in that. Um, as they say, I would love. For you, as a non uh, non Wegman shopper, but as a guy who clearly loves to shop and goes to five supermarkets a week like a crazy person, yeah. I, I really want to hear your perspective on Wegmans. So, um, from a food safety point of view, but also just from a, I think it just might be interesting. So,
0: all right, I will. I I, uh, um, I, I will add it. It's going to be added to the to the list of places. So, there's a couple spots where I don't go all that often. But go when we need certain things, like yep. Trader Joe's yep. is one. Yes. We only have one in like really accessible to us in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, we we just got we just had a Publix open up about a year ago, and go there and go to Harris Teeter and go to Food Line, all the all the best mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but there, it's funny. It's like each of them I go for different things, and it's not uncommon. And this is like may have something to do with. My experience growing up, where it's really not uncommon that on one grocery store trip, I will go to three different stores, like that are two of them that are right next to each other, and another one that's close to our house, just for the certain items where it's either cheaper there or I like the brand that they have there better, or the private label brand, or whatever. Interesting, weird, right? Yeah, yeah. But but I, but I get. I mean, if I. If I wasn't doing it like with my kid and he enjoyed it so much, I, I would understand that it would you know I, I might not like it as much.
1: No, and that's that's actually really nice that that's a, that's a thing that you guys can do together as an activity. Um, that's uh, that's really that's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, hey, I, before we go, um, there was uh, some salmonella-contaminated uh, uh, ice cream that was recalled today. I just just came across the wires here. Whoa. Yeah, so it was uh, mango ice cream, or mango flavored ice cream from uh, this group called Lagranja Incorporated, or Lagranja, of uh, Doraville, Georgia. They recalled uh, four thousand units of handcrafted uh, mango flavored ice cream because it's got a little, th-
1: little bit too much hand uh, in the handcraft. A hand- yeah, a little
0: too hand- handy. <laughs> uh, salmonella enteritidis, which is not the salmonella I would have expected. Hmm. Maybe it's the mango. Maybe it's the maybe it's some egg. Who knows? Wow. I don't know. Anyway, so I just is, got it because uh, it's distributed
1: here in North Carolina, so I just got yeah, to know about it. Interesting, interesting. So uh, it, yeah, um, four hundred units of handcrafted. Um, so four. Does that mean four hundred packages? Four thousand. Sorry, four four thousand, yeah. but four thousand packages. That's uh, yeah. That's in, not a lot of ice cream.
0: It's not, and right? this is an interesting one because they're not. Um, oh and oh, distribute. Yeah, direct delivery. Okay. Also in retail stores, but
1: you can get it direct. And they're ice cream bars. It's not, it's not, yeah, uh, sure. so there's like, that's weird. Um, yeah, that is really weird. Um, hmm.
0: So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. more. Maybe more. No illnesses. This is from Routine Sample. Oh, okay. Huh. But you know, when this happens, I'm my guess. This is from Georgia Department of Agriculture. My guess is, all of a sudden, we got some Salmonella enteritidis. We're going to upload that into the magical whole, whole genome sequencing database, and boom. And maybe we'll yeah. But with uh, with SE, we know from previous outbreaks that there are some very common patterns out there. Oh, okay. like right, like it's hard to excise things. Right, so in other words, uh,
1: we we may see uh, plenty of uh, same strain um, uh, at to a very uh, precise genetic level, but maybe not linked. Yeah, exactly. But I gotta think if you if you are ordering or if you are buying this handcrafted Pelateria mango flavored ice cream, you probably know it, right? This is probably not uh, this is not a very widely consumed product, right? And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, is this like kind of a, is this a Latino thing? I'm just like looking at the packaging and the naming. I'm wondering if this is, uh, if there's a particular demographic that this goes to. Maybe. So, eh. Maybe. Anyway, we'll learn more. Thanks to, uh, thanks to uh, Food Poisoning Journal. That's where I, I found it. Is that where you came to you from? No, I got, I got, I, sometimes people just send me things, Don, just, just like an email, like,
0: Hey, you, uh, you have probably might not have seen this. So that's what happened. Cool. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I don't want to out the, the person.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Nope. I got no sources. I got nope. sources. my well my my source is the internet and uh, Dennis Stearns wrote an article on uh Food Poisoning Food Poison Journal, uh the uh Marler, one of the many, many popular blogs at Marlar Clark. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think that's a show, Don. I think it is.
0: Um thanks uh thanks for spending uh some of my birthday with me, sharing oh. this special special time. Happy birthday. I'm I not I'm not thank gonna you. sing. No, it's okay. You know, um, I sent you balloons. I I appreciate it. I'm going to uh, I'm going going to Cheesecake Factory because because uh, that's what we do in my family on uh, special birthdays. No fighting. Special, okay. Special, no, fighting. no fighting. Sam and I have already used that lyric about thirty times in the last two days. He's so excited, and he just yells out, "Why you gotta fight with me at cheesecake?" <laughs> that's that's what he does. This kid, he loves. He, um, Right now, okay. So before I leave, I want to tell you about my children, and well, at least one of them, and the one who loves music. Um, his his current favorite songs are Garth Brooks' "Friends in Low Places." Okay, blast from the past. A blast from the past. <laughs> from the, from the past. Um, Kenny Rogers' "Gambler." Okay, I mean, of course, of course. Um, and uh, about every Drake song possible. Um, and, and he just like wants to listen and dance to these songs all the time. And he makes up all these, uh, routines that, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. and there's another one. We, we, there's a jukebox country, um, playlist on, uh, Apple music that he found. And, uh, maybe this is my favorite one that he's, uh, discovered. Uh, all my exes live in Texas.
1: So <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, pretty strong, uh, country, uh, oh slant there it is this kid he's not uh, he'll listen to anything
0: yeah, yeah. With, uh, he, without it, judgment good for him yeah i know he's he's all over the place he just he just likes good songs good good music good songs so i'm i'm all about that uh, and then, and Jack is currently only listening to Kanye West songs that are, um, that w- thanks to Apple music, I can get the, uh, no explicit lyrics versions uh-huh. and, uh, but he likes to point out over and over, that's where there's a swear word. They yep. count it out there yep. and he's that's- like, that's the S H word. That's the F word. I'm like, yeah, I know. I got it. Got it. You don't have to highlight it to me. I know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks kid. Oh, your kids are so cute. Oh, uh, yeah, they are. They're going to be menaces at some point or whatever. Uh, It'll, cool. be well, It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was Food Safety Talk. I think that's 124. And and you know what else is special about
1: this episode, Ben? Uh, I don't know. What? Well, Jack is actually going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we started with food safety, oh we had gosh. food safety in the middle, and we had food safety at the end, and I don't think we talked at all about just popular now. culture, except for just now, right? Just now, just now. Yeah, we did it backwards. We flipped it around, did it backwards. Hey, and, and speaking speaking of popular culture, I do want to mention um, uh, we've been watching uh, this new Hank Azaria show called Brockmire. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it, but I saw an ad for it. And is it... Um, Hank Azaria and uh, Amanda Pete, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, no. Is it is it great? Well, they, they've been they're plugging the hell out of this on IFC, which I think is where we watch Portlandia, and so we it, it just like every commercial break during Portlandia, they're they're promoting this. Um, it's it's good it 's a little it 's weird uh it 's definitely weird uh it 's going to be interesting to see where they go with it um i i i, uh, I really i really enjoyed it uh, yeah this this Brockmeyer character he's uh, he 's a handful so um yeah and I, I love Hanka's I just love anything that Hank area does um I was thinking about this uh you know he was he was great in um uh, mad about you uh he oh. was great in mystery Men. uh he was great in uh birdcage so i just i just just love everything that he does his 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 ability to to create characters and voices is just is is just amazing and yeah the, he's this, pretty this, awesome this brockmeyer character is uh he's not too it's not really likable but but he's definitely interesting <laughs> well that's cool i'm gonna check it out cool
0: All right. Well, uh, hey, we'll talk to you, uh, soon and, uh, people who listen to this who are unnamed because we don't have a name for our listeners, uh, go, go rate us. Give us feedback. Feel free. Keep emailing us and tweeting at us. It's great. Gives us good things to talk about. Um, and, uh, check out, uh, the past catalog of food safety talk if you're new to the podcast. Indeed. Thanks, Don. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Cool. Nice. All right. So this is uh, this is mine. This is yours. This is even. So I, uh, I am going to get, uh, as soon as we finish here, I'm going to probably uh, grab a quick lunch and uh, head off to State College. Oh. Uh, where I am going to give a talk uh, tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to drive to State College tonight. Which is about a four-hour drive, which I'm not looking forward to, but I have a bunch of podcasts to listen to, including this one that we just recorded. Oh well, there you go, fantastic. <laughs> so I will listen to this one. I will. I will shoot you some um, titles, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. And I'll, I'll see. I should. I should have some time. Depends uh, what, what's what I've got going on, but I should have some time to hopefully get this uh, put together and uploaded soon.
0: Okay, that sounds that sounds awesome. Um, so things get crazy in. May for me. Yep. So let's look at um, two weeks from today is May 3rd. You and I are going to be in D.C. together. Yep. I could
1: do the 4th or the 5th. 4th uh, is wide open for me. Well, I don't know if it's – I'm supposed to – I don't know. It says here to give an FDA webinar with a question mark. I think I already gave that webinar. Um, let's see. Let me check. April – Yeah, I think I think I already gave that. So let, yeah, so so I'm I've got a I'm seeing Oleg in the morning. Um nice. uh, But yeah, no, no not really. What, um, same same time. Like uh, uh, yeah. So let so, so we could do eleven again. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. Not because I've got a nine o'clock uh, PT. So let's schedule it for eleven. And then even yeah. if I do have to give that FDA webinar, which I'm pretty sure I don't, um, it, it's it's fine. So
0: yep. Okay. Cool. That's perfect. And then that puts us on schedule. So the two weeks after that, I'm going to be in Russia. Oh wow. Um yeah. And then but I so that would so if we do it the fourth, then we may have to skip and come back the week of the twenty second.
1: Yeah, or we can we can do like I can record one without you. you <sighs> I hate it when you do that. <laughs> well you could get me back. You can you could do another one. You could you could you would do one in Russia without me. I will I'll do one with Oleg. <laughs> it's How about that? Speaking
0: of Russians, I'll do it. <laughs> ah, That's that's the funniest I've been in a while <laughs> uh, yeah uh yeah, so anyway we'll fi- we'll figure that out uh, yeah, we could do that or um or push it or do it late like on the week of the do two weeks back to back whatever
1: yeah we will we'll, we'll figure it out yeah,
0: um cool, okay, well, that's good um, now, guess what I'm going to do now what? i have two i have two thermometers in my hand, mm-hmm you can't see them. Nope. One is a um, data logger with a probe uh, that looks that's got a digital display on it, an EL USB TP thermistor probe data logger. Oh yeah. The other yeah exactly. The other one is a Comark PDT three hundred. I am going to see a friend in um, in ag, in ag engineering, and I'm going to take him these two, and I'm going to say, "Put these into one. I want a consumer looking thermometer that has a data logger." Oh and, wow! And, and people know how to do that. Whoa! Yeah, or or like make make a housing that looks like this. Yeah, I know. Is that crazy? It's, isn't it fun to like go find people that that do stuff like that? So so to what to what end? So why? Yeah, so because um, we're going to do we, – we've got this observation project that's starting in the fall, late summer, fall, where we're going to do 400 meals of um, turkey burgers. And I want to be able to know – I want to be able to record on the thermometer, what if they use the thermometer, what temperature it is. So as opposed – because we may not be able to see it on the angles in the kitchen of the display number. So I want to be able to track – like I want to collect the data.
1: Right. So in other words, they're going to be making burgers. You're not – you're going to be observing them making burgers, but you don't want to interfere, but you want to know very detailed information about what what they recorded. You got it. Cool. Yeah. And then – um, if they happen to
0: like, so since it's a data logger, we'll be able to get time and temperature if they happen to leave it in there for a yeah. certain amount of time. Yeah. So we'll be able to say, oh, well, it was, you know, because we can set them. Um, I think we can set it to take a uh, take a temperature uh, once every half a second, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll be able to plot that out. Because we're gonna, what doesn't exist, I don't, we don't have data on is. Um, like specific pathogen destruction um, in turkey burgers with time-temperature combinations. So, I mean, we have the models, but we don't have it for this type of product. So we'll be able to get – and then we'll be able to apply. This is what these 400 people did if any of them used a thermometer. So say it's 10%. 40 people that used a thermometer, this was the temperature and how long it registered that temperature for.
1: Yeah, and and you'll yeah, so you'll be able to know like how long they left it in. Yeah, oh, that it, just yeah. seems like a, a lot of really cool data you'll be getting.
0: Yeah, and so it like the one that we have isn't the per like it just doesn't look consumery enough. So right. now I'm gonna so, tell them to take the you know the function of this and put it into this right,
1: and you, and you don't want to be you don't want to tip your hand, you don't want it to look different, you want it to look right normal. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: So anyway, I got to go over and see my my ag friend, my Mike Boyat. cool cool dude. Cool. So, all right, I'm out of here. All right. Uh, uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Uh, have a good time traveling to State College.
1: I will. Say Are you going to see Kathy? Well, so um, the uh, my host is Ed Dudley. Um, oh. Who is a colleague of Kathy's? Um, I don't know who I'm going to see besides the people I'm giving the lecture to and to Ed. But certainly, I hope to see Kathy. I hope to see a bunch of folks out there: Steve Noble um, uh, and um, you know uh, Luke Labord and and all, all the great all the great oh, All the best
0: Stateers.
1: But certainly, if I see Kathy, I will I will pass along your uh, greetings.
0: Please please do. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Don. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.